episode number 53. Welcome to the Getting Unstuck podcast, where you'll laugh, empathize, and learn how to turn your stuck spots into sources for energy and positive change. And now your host, the creator of the Stuck Method, Shira Taylor Gura. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you for joining me today. The Getting Unstuck Challenge began a couple of days ago. We have over 200 people from around the world participating. It's very exciting to witness how many people have the desire and are taking the steps to start creating shifts and transformations in their lives. So if you have chosen to join me, I want to say thank you. Before I share with you this week's story, I'd like to share with you an email that I received from a podcast listener. She wrote, I really like your Facebook group. She is referring, by the way, to the Getting Unstuck group on Facebook. And I'm looking forward to the Getting Unstuck challenge in a few weeks. I wanted to share, she wrote that, of course, a few weeks ago. I wanted to share a story with you that blew my mind a little bit, and I'm still processing it. Last week, we had a work event in the city, and one of my co-workers was going to give us a ride back to the train station. As we were walking towards her car, we realized her car was missing. Her car had been towed. Of course, we could not leave her there in the city, so we had quite the adventure trying to find the car pound, and getting the car out. All of which made me appreciate my other co-workers because they were all so kind and wonderful and no one was going to leave anyone behind. But the part of the story that I wanted to share with you is how my co-worker, who got her car towed, handled the situation. She never lost her cool. She was calm, and because of that, we were calm even when we got lost in a pretty bad part of the city trying to find the car pound. To me, this was something completely novel. In my experience, anyone who has ever been in a stressful situation like this always reacts by freaking out, and then everyone else freaks out. I guess I didn't think there was another option to dealing with things like this. It just blew my mind how dealing with the situation in a calmer manner changes the whole situation. I was just thinking to myself throughout the evening, how can I become like this? Well, the answer is, I will never become her because that's not how I'm wired. However, in seeing another perspective, it does give me something to strive towards, and the stuck method is going to help me get there. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that story with me. This woman, by the way, asked to remain anonymous, so I am not mentioning her name. There is so much I loved about this email, but two things in particular really struck me. One, the noticing of how others can get unstuck when in difficult, emotionally challenging situations. And also, what struck me is how she mentioned that she will never be able to be like her coworker, because that's not how she's wired. But then she wrote, but it does give her something to strive for, and that the stuck method will help her get there. 
I just want to comment and say, I don't know if any of us are wired not to get stuck. And I think that controlling our emotions is something that we all need to practice. At least for me, it doesn't come naturally. All I can say is that from my experiences, one of the most amazing things I love about this practice is witnessing my change in my conditioned responses. For example, I'm not sure I ever mentioned this story on the podcast before, but I believe it's a story in my book that I have a tendency to get stuck on the way my husband eats. I won't go into details, but it's just to say that the way he eats triggers me. And it especially triggers me when we are guests in someone else's home. And then I have an automatic response. And that automatic response has always kept me stuck. And it's something I've had many practice opportunities with, obviously, because I live with my husband and we eat many times together. And just the other night, we were guests in a friend's home for dinner, and I noticed myself getting triggered, and I also noticed myself not saying anything and not reacting and getting myself unstuck and considering so many things that would help prevent me from acting from a conditioned response. So my dear friend who wrote that email to me, I too am not wired, quote unquote, that way. I'm wired to get stuck. I believe that. And I believe most of us are. And so for me, it's a gentle practice of awareness and considering alternative ways of responding so that I don't slip into conditioned patterns of being, which will ultimately prevent me from self-growth and development. And if I can do this, so can you. I believe it. And I hope you believe it too. Okay, so the story for this week. I mentioned in last week's episode that I have a story that I was hoping would resolve by the time I would record this episode, but it hasn't really, and yet I'm still going to share it with you. Remember, I'm sharing a bunch of stories between episode number 50 and episode number 56 that all relate to getting stuck where children were somehow a part of the story. It's not to say that they got stuck, but they were somehow a part of the stuck story. So a couple of weeks ago, I received a phone call from my son's teacher. My son is almost 13. He's in middle school. The way the cutoff date here in Israel, it's that he's the youngest, actually, in his grade. He hasn't gone through puberty yet. He's as thin as a stick, and he's as sweet as the sweetest thing you can imagine, And he's really bright, and he's got a huge heart. And having two younger brothers, he's pretty much used to like giving in to them and just pleasantly dealing with their annoying behaviors and their whining and all of that. He's very inquisitive, and overall, he's just a good kid. I've heard from many of his teachers in the past, time and time again, how they wish they could just like clone my son and have more kids like him in their class. I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just saying this to give you a picture of him before I share with you the story. So the teacher calls and says there was an incident at school. 
Immediately, my heart starts pounding, right? Even though my son had just walked into the house like a few minutes before and school had ended and everything seemed fine. He didn't say anything. So that was strange. Okay, what's going on? The teacher said he wasn't there, but what he understood was that my son was playing with a ball by himself, something that he does oftentimes during breaks between classes. He takes the ball, he throws it against the wall, and he catches it. That's it, like a little simple game that he does with himself. And another kid in the class apparently walked between my son and the wall and got hit by the ball. By the way, we're talking about a tennis ball, not a baseball, not a softball, a tennis ball. And apparently this kid went ballistic. This kid, by the way, already went through puberty and is huge, both in weight and height. The teacher said he knocked my son to the ground, straddled him with his legs, held my son's arms to the ground, and started cursing him nonstop, calling him names that I blocked out of my head at this point. I can't even tell you what they were. I don't remember, and it, I guess it doesn't really matter anyway. The teacher said the other kids were trying to separate this boy from my son, but they couldn't. Until they called another teacher, the teacher came and got him off my son. There was no hitting involved as far as I know. The teacher said that this is obviously not acceptable behavior, that the principal and the school psychologist have already been contacted, as were the boy's parents. And honestly, I can't remember what else he said after that. Like, was he going to contact me again? Was I supposed to do anything? Like, what were the next steps? Honestly, all I wanted to do in that moment was just go talk to my son. So I went to his room. He came home and he went straight to his room. He didn't even have lunch, which I guess I should have noticed as a pretty big sign. Anyway, he was sitting on his bed reading a book. And I sat down next to him and I asked him how was school. Of course, I already asked him that when he walked into the door, but this time I kind of asked him with a little bit more attentiveness. He said that school was fine. I told him I got a call from the teacher, and he responded, he's fine. I shouldn't worry about it. I asked him what happened, and again, he told me not to worry about it. And I told him, it's my job to worry about it, and the teacher just called me, and I want to know. And so he got all teary-eyed, and he started to tell me that he was playing ball by himself, and that this kid walked between him and the wall, and the ball accidentally hit him and that the kid threw him down to the ground and started cursing at him and that he couldn't get up. And of course, I started crying, just imagining my son being pinned to the ground, not being able to get up. That must have been super frightening. By the way, my son attends a religious school. And it just goes to show you that this kind of behavior, this kind of violence or bullying, it's everywhere. It's in every country, it's in every language, it's in every religion. It's not something that doesn't appear because you attend a prestigious school or a faith-based school or a school in an affluent community. It's everywhere. Anyway, that was it. As he was wiping his eyes with his hand, he told me not to worry. So you can imagine there were a lot of potential stuck components to this story. 
I mean, there was me wanting to know exactly how the school was going to deal with this and me wanting to make sure that the kids' parents knew about this and also had plans to deal with it appropriately. And of course, me as the parent feeling powerless with the situation, especially since my son didn't seem very interested to talk with me about it. Just like in the other two episodes that I just shared with you, my motherly instinct, my conditioned response as a mother was to protect my son and make sure that this would never happen again and that that other kid would get punished. So I could share with you all that has transpired since that incident a couple of weeks ago. My follow-up conversation with the school, my text messages with the parents, but, but I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, it's not that I want to keep you from the entire story. It's just that, well, for one thing, I try to keep my podcast episodes under 20 minutes. And if I told you the entire story, it may take me an hour to do so. Also, I don't want to share it because there's a slim chance that someone listening to this podcast knows the situation, knows the kid, knows the family, and I don't want to use this podcast to talk about others, unless it's my husband (laughs) who gives me permission to do so, Um, or anyone else uh, that I might share a stuck story about that either gives me permission or where I can conceal the identity so nobody knows who that person is, then I would do that as well. I also don't want to share all of those other components to the story because my main stuck story that I do want to share with you is not about the teacher, it's not about the administration, it's not about the kid's parents, but rather my feelings about the incident and how my belief basically was that this incident was going to scar my child for life and that it shouldn't have happened. That's where I needed to get unstuck, besides those other parts. From the story that kept running through my head, why my son? Why my sweet, sweet son? Why did this have to happen to him? How is this going to affect him? Is he going to be scarred for life? So I had all these thoughts running through my head, and I knew it wasn't going to just go away or disappear like, you know, a phone call to the school or a text to the parents of that kid. It's like the unknown, right? We're talking about the future. Like, how is this incident going to affect him? That's a lot harder to deal with, I think. So noticing I was stuck. Well, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know what I do. S, I took a stop. I went over to the sofa in our house and I just sat down. I closed my eyes. I just took some space from the story and I allowed myself to witness all the noise that was in my head. T, I told myself I was stuck on worry. Worry about my son now. Worry how this event is going to affect him in the future. I was stuck on a lot of emotions actually, but worry was probably the most prominent one. And as I sat on the couch, I just allowed myself to feel worry. And I just kind of sat there crying. And I just felt worry in my face. That's where I felt it the most. You, where was this worry coming from? What was underneath it? These are the beliefs I uncovered. I believed this incident should not have happened. I believed bad things should 
not happen to good kids or even to good people for that matter. I believed my son may have been embarrassed that he couldn't get himself up from being pinned down, and that worries me. And I believe that my son may negatively be affected by this incident for life. But then I checked in with all of those belief statements, and I realized that I didn't know for sure if any of them were true. This event shouldn't have happened. Bad things don't happen to good people. Of course they do. He's embarrassed. Do I know that? Will this event negatively affect him? You know, I actually couldn't convince myself that any of my belief statements were correct. And so I went to the next step, C, and I considered. I considered that I can't control the past. And I considered that bad things happen to good people all of the time. And I considered he's going to be drafted into the army before I know it. I mean, okay, so he still has like a good six years, but I know time is going to fly. And I considered that maybe this event in a strange way could actually be a good lesson for him, knowing that someone else in this world or during his army service may also go ballistic and try to pin him down. Maybe, I considered, maybe adversity can build character. I'm certainly not advocating violence, but if you get into a situation like my son did, you've got a few choices, right? You can call someone for help, you can fight back if you can, or you can play the victim. And I don't want my kid playing the victim. I I don't ever want to play the victim in my life or in my relationships either. Maybe this situation would make him stronger, not physically necessarily, but mentally Maybe it'll make him a bit more conscious with whom he hangs around or aware of how easily some people can just snap and lose their temper. Maybe what happened after all could be seen as something that strengthens him. Maybe. And maybe there's really no point in me worrying about the future and how this event is going to affect him. So I got myself unstuck because I basically took on all of those considerations And K, I told myself it's okay that I got stuck on worry in the first place. What about you? Do you know of anyone in your life who's going through a rough time, who's gotten hurt by another person, either physically or verbally? Again, I am not, not advocating or condoning abuse. Please, please, please do not misconstrue my my words or my intention here. What I'm asking you to consider is that maybe adversity can build another person's character or even your own. Not abuse. That is not acceptable. I'm not talking about abuse. Maybe going through difficult situations, challenging situations can actually strengthen you. You know, sometimes we try to avoid tough spots and yet sometimes it's those difficult spots that actually challenge us to grow. Is that something that you can consider either for yourself or for someone that you love who is going through a difficult time? So I have two more stuck stories for you regarding kids, but next week I'm going to share with you something that I've been working on now for a couple of months and I'm very excited about. If you are subscribed to my Unstuck Thursday newsletter, 
Or if you have liked my Facebook page, which is Shira Taylor Gura, Getting Unstuck and Living Deliberately, or if you are in my Facebook group, which is Getting Unstuck, you will hear about this thing that I've been working on before I announce it here on the podcast next week. So if we're not connected in any of those three ways, my newsletter, the Facebook group, or my Facebook page, please definitely connect with me so that you'll be sure not to miss what I'm going to announce next week. I look forward to sharing that news with you. And as always, I look forward to getting unstuck with you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Getting Unstuck podcast. For more information on programs, workshops, and retreats, check out our website, www.thestuckmethod.com.